Amen, amen. Thank you so much for that welcome. Uh, good morning, family. How's everybody doing today? We've had a good morning so far. Uh, I, I am delighted and thrilled for the opportunity to share today. I don't um, ever want to take lightly any opportunity to minister for, the God, for God in my life, uh, to minister here at this church. Certainly not anything on this platform, and especially um, from this pulpit. So I'm just so thankful for the opportunity um, and uh, thankful for Pastor Juan and Pastor Deidre and their leadership to this house. Many of you are thankful for them today. Amen. As, as Pastor Juan mentioned, um, I think he mentioned in, in the video there, uh, uh, they'll be watching online one of the services, So, um, which reminds me to welcome those that are watching online. Thank you for joining us. We're so glad that those of you that join online every week, that you're a part of our church family. Uh, you're a part in your participation. You're a part in the prayer requests we receive, the testimonies we receive. Um, you're a part of our congregation and our family and your giving. So we thank you so much for joining us. Um, uh, I also want to bring uh, attention and honor to my bride, who's not here in this service, um, but she, I uh, just love her heart, uh, her heart for me, her heart for our family, and her heart for the Lord, and uh, we're, we're so thrilled to have the opportunity to be a part of this family. So Pastor Juan has uh, asked me today to uh, continue and conclude the series that he's had us on this, uh, this past month or so. Uh, past four or five weeks on Jesus, the great exchange. How many of you have uh, benefited from this series thus far the last number of weeks? Amen. Um, it's th here's why this this series is significant. Significant, and Pastor Juan has has spent focused energy on making sure that we all understand this. So I'm, I'm going to repeat that a little bit. It's important because our culture and our world today is confused about God. They're confused about who Jesus is. And we as a church body, we cannot afford to be in the same boat. The more that our culture is confused about who Jesus really is, we that much more as a church need to know who is this King of glory? Who's our Lord? Who's our Savior? Some of you have friends and family that, that you're connected with that the Jesus that they used to know has become a different Jesus than the Jesus we find in Scripture. Many of you seen that? The Jesus that they professed as their Lord and Savior, they see Him differently. Because the world around us is not only confused about God, they're actually teaching and educating about a God that's not the God that's in my Bible. So, so it's important that, that we ourselves, that our hearts and our minds have a concept of who is this King of glory? Who is this Lord? Who is this Savior? And so we've used kind of the, the format and the mode of talking about that there's a great exchange that took place on the cross. How many of you know that Jesus did not come to this earth as a human, live a blameless life, and crucified on the cross for random reasons? How many of you know that? It's not random. He didn't give everything. He didn't pay the greatest price for some random reason or just because he felt like it. There was a reason, and it was so that, that we could receive that which we could never earn, and he would take on all that we are. So that's the great exchange. Pastor Juan has taught us that, that one of the ways to look at this great exchange is to look at the, the Jewish high holy day of the Day of Atonement, 
for centuries, what the Jews would do is the patriarch of the family or the father of the family would take uh, the, the, the best family lamb that was spotless, that was without blemish, that was without a mark, that was strong, that was healthy, that was perfect. They would take, he would take that lamb and he would present it on the Day of Atonement to the high priest. And as a part of the ritual, would lay hands upon that lamb. And the, the significance of that ritual was, was, was it was a manifestation that as he laid hands on that lamb, he was passing on all the sin, all the disease, all the unrighteousness, all the unworthiness that separated that father and his family from God, and he was transferring it onto the lamb. But at the same time, it also was a manifestation that the, the perfection of the lamb the without mark of the lamb, the wholeness of that lamb would then be transferred back onto the father and onto his family. And that when that exchange took place, it would make that man and his family right before God. That was, a, that was a foreshadowing of what Jesus would do for all of humanity. That he would come for a reason. That he would come to this earth, be, be, be the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world, live a blameless life, hang on a cross and die, and, and, then, and then he would rise again. Why? So that that transfer could take place. That anyone that believes in him, that, place, that, that in a way places their hands upon him in surrender, that they would pass on all the junk, all the filth, all the things that keep them from God, and it would be transferred, and, and that would be transferred on to Jesus, and Jesus would give us all that we do not deserve. So Pastor Juan, and during this series, has, he's taught us that Jesus took on death so that we can have life. Jesus was rejected so we could be accepted. Jesus was punished so we could be forgiven. And last week, Pastor Wong covered that Jesus was wounded so that you and I could be healed. So as we conclude today, and I'm going to get to what is today's exchange. As we conclude today, we're going to, to uh, be receiving uh, corporate communion. And I, I can think of no better way to conclude this series than, than, uh, than partaking of the sacraments and Holy Communion. Communion is, is putting on display this great exchange in a very tangible way. Here at our church, we have open communion. Um, we only ask that, that you see Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You do not have to be a member. But I want, I'm telling you that up front because I want you to be preparing your hearts before God as I share today. Because I believe that our communion time is going to be a special time this morning between you and between your God. And if he's not your God... I pray that during this time today, he will become your God. Amen? Okay, so you can turn on your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And as you're doing that, um, I'm going to share uh, what our great exchange point is today. So if you're taking notes, you can write this down. If you're not taking notes, Pastor Juan sent me a text message. He wants you to write this down. All right, if we can put that up. Jesus, here's the, here's the great exchange. Jesus, we have that? 
Jesus endured? Okay. Jesus endured our poverty that we may share his abundance. Let's say that together. Jesus endured our poverty that we may share his abundance. And let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that, though, that you through his poverty might become rich. So here's the exchange. God took on our poverty. He took on our complete lack. He took on our inability to walk in wholeness. He took that on himself as God so that we could share and walk in his abundance. That's a powerful truth. So this morning, I want to focus on this idea of abundance. That as believers in Jesus Christ, we're called to walk in abundance. What is abundance? If I were to give a really spiritual description of what it means to walk in abundance, it would simply be this. It would be that to, to have a, an abundant mindset is to have a revelation and an understanding that you hold a superior position to that of the enemy and that of darkness. To walk in abundance means that you actually realize and recognize that Jesus won the victory for all time on the cross. And when he did that and he won that victory, he transfers that victory over to his people who believe in him. And as the saying goes, to the victor goes the spoils. So therefore, all that Jesus won on the cross, he then says, I give to you. You have every benefit. And because you have access to every benefit, you have the ability to walk in a superior position to that of those that don't know, and a superior position to darkness. This is so important because the reason I'm saying superior position is because the enemy doesn't want you to walk in abundance. How many of you know that? He doesn't want you to walk in wholeness. He doesn't want you to walk in a place that you recognize that you actually benefit from the victor, that therefore you can walk in victory. He doesn't want you to see that. If I were to define abundance in really simple terms, I would say it like this. Abundance is not just having everything you want in an extravagant amount. Just because you have a lot doesn't mean you have abundance. Very simply, abundance means this. That you, that you recognize that you walk and have everything that you need and then some to give away. That you possess everything you need and then some to give away. So, Jesus described abundance several times in scriptures. I want to look at one to start with in John chapter 10. John chapter 10 is a, one of the fascinating things about John 10 is, is Jesus spends the entire chapter, he's, he's talking about himself. Near the end, after he talks about himself, they want to stone him. But the first half of the chapter, he talks about himself, and he refers to himself as two things. He refers to himself mainly as a shepherd. But there's another part that he also refers to himself as a door. How many know that a shepherd and a door are very different things? 
But to Jesus, because it's him, they both are united. That's possible in Jesus. It says in in, uh, Psalm 85, verse 11, it says that mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. How many of you know that mercy and truth have a hard time coexisting in most of our brains? Right? But in Jesus, they both exist. So Jesus can be a door and he can be a shepherd. And he maps this out specifically in John chapter 10, verse 9 and verse 10. If we can put that up. Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Let's leave that verse up. So Jesus is saying right here, I am the what? I'm the door. What is a door? A door is an access point. You don't get to somewhere else unless you've stepped over a threshold to get into that place, right? Unless some of you have just been translated at some point into a different room in your house, you generally have to walk through a door. A door is the entryway. So Jesus says right here, I'm the door. Anyone enters by me, you'll be saved. He's saying, as the door, that's salvation. That's your starting point. That's where you come in, right? Okay, then he says in verse 10, he says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it what? More abundantly. So in verse 9, he says, I'm the door. I'm the access point. You come through me, you can walk in salvation. In verse 10, he goes back to defining himself as the shepherd. He basically is saying this. Once you come through the door, you have access now to the pasture. You are saved. You are rescued. But the moment you step through that door, you meet me as a shepherd. And he defines that by contrasting it with what a thief would do. Thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. The thief comes to take your life out. The thief comes to then take everything from you. This is a horrible thief. You're already killed, and now he's going to take your stuff, that you can't have anyways because you're dead. But not only that, to destroy, to obliterate your very existence. And he contrasts what the thief would do to what, who he is as the, shep- as the shepherd. He says, I am come that they may have life and life more abundant. So he, he says, I've come to bring you life. But then he says, but here's the kind of life it is. It's more abundant. This tells me one really important thing for this morning. It tells me that, it's, that, that there's life, stick with me, this is real deep. There's life, and there's abundant life. This tells me that it's possible to walk through the door and only see life, but not experience abundant life. I believe that life is lived in degrees. Turn to someone and say, life is lived in degrees. For some of you, you you hear that and you go, if my wife heard me say that, she would say, Life is lived in degrees, because once it gets below 40 degrees, my life ends. That's what she told me. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that life occurs 
progressively. Okay, so if I asked, if I asked some of you and I said, hey, what does it mean to be alive? Some of you would say, well, if you're breathing, you're alive. Okay, what if I defined to you that you could have life where you're lying in a hospital bed, you're in a coma, you can't move your arms and legs, you have limited brain activity, but you're still breathing. Raise your hand if that's the kind of life for you. Okay. That doesn't sound like much of a life. Is there some life happening, though? Yes. Medically speaking, yes. There's some life happening. Okay. What if I told you that you could have all the strength that you could ever want, that your mind could be sharp, use of all your faculties, everything works, you feel great, you have a good attitude, but you've been sentenced for the rest of your life to live in solitary confinement in the state penitentiary. Now, how many of you would sign up for that life? Okay. Why? Isn't, isn't it life? Is it more life, potentially, than the person in a coma? Sure. But this tells me that life happens in degrees. This is what I want to get across. If, if this point doesn't really get across to you today, you can just shut your brain off for the next 25 minutes. Because, because it's important that you, that you grasp this. Because here, this is the challenge I want to lay before you today. Is that knowing Jesus, praying a sinner's prayer, recognizing that he's, and, and saying, I recognize that you died on the cross, Jesus. I confess with my mouth that you're Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead, so I walk in salvation. That means you've walked through the door. The rest of your life, though, has to be dealt with of what does it mean to actually walk in abundance. Abundance can't just be a conceptual thing. And you've got to realize that there is life and there's abundant life. Colossians chapter 3 Verse 6, I think we have that. Paul says it like this. He says, As you therefore have received Christ, Jesus the Lord, so what? Walk in him. Okay, Jesus. so Paul says this about Jesus. He says, you've received him. Now do this. What? Walk in him. Okay, so it's possible to receive him and not completely deal with what the walk looks like. Ask yourself today, how are you walking? Turn to somebody that, that you love and trust and say, how are you walking? How are you walking? Because here's what I want to present to you today. Abundance, abundant life is a choice. It's a choice you make to walk in abundance. Abundance is not some magical thing because you pray a sinner's prayer and therefore you magically have abundance. You have to choose abundance. You've got to choose it. So really the meat of what I'm sharing this morning, I've broken down to three small points. You have to choose abundance. So I have three small points that I'm, I'm going to make a defense of why should you choose 
abundance. So number one, choose abundance because it's better. I wrestled with this when I wrote it down this week because I thought, that sounds so basic. I need to make this sound more intelligent. And I just couldn't because I just love it so much. We choose abundance because it's better. It's better. How many of you would rather have better than where you are now? No, I don't care how great you think things are right now. If I pointed to you and I said, do you want things to be better? No one would go, I'm full of better. No, no, thank you. I'll stay in good or I'll stay in mediocrity. Nobody would say that. Everybody would say, better, sign me up. Jesus defined it like this, John chapter 7, verse 37, 38. Jesus is standing, he's at the Feast of the Tabernacles, and the scripture says it gets to the end of, of, of the feast, and he's been preaching and teaching, and everyone's astonished, and he gets to the end, and he stands up. It says, in the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come and drink. 38, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So I have this, this bottle here. I'm talking about water, so it makes me thirsty. I have this bottle of water. If, I, if, some, if one of you came to me and said, hey, I'm thirsty, and I said, you're thirsty, wow. I've, I've got for you this beautiful bottle of water. How many of you would like a drink? Would you, you can come and you can take a drink and have this water. Those of you that are thirsty, unless you were concerned about my backwashing germs, you might say, yeah, I'll, I'll take a drink because I'm thirsty. But what if I brought another glass out here and I said, well, you could have this or you could have this glass here of water. That, that, but here's the thing. When you drink this glass, you'll never be thirsty again. Not only that, you'll feel like you'll feel like water just is like coming out of your pores. It'll, it, it will be amazing. The rest of your life, you'll never feel like you like you're really, really thirsty. Most of us would go, well, that that sounds a little better, right? My daughter, we, I think I have a picture of her. Um, yeah, this is this is uh, one of my daughters. Uh, this is Cadence. She is uh, she's three years old. Uh, this summer, we, we took a family vacation to uh, the Pima Tuning Reservoir, or Lake Pima Tuning, whatever you call it. How many have been to the Pima Tuning before? Okay, so it's the lake. It's uh, um, actually on the state line north of here. It, it's mostly in Pennsylvania, and there's parts of it that are in Ohio. So we were there for a week, and during that vacation, we would go and, and spend time at one of the beaches there. And so here we are on vacation, pack everybody up. Every day we're staying in a cabin, and every day go down to the beach. So we go down to the beach, and Cadence, my three-year-old, this is her at the lake. She is, uh, um, uh, and those of you online, if you can't see it, she's beautiful like her mother. Um, but she, So here she is hanging out at the lake. So I get in with my other kids, and we're playing around in the water, having a good time. Cadence is not interested in getting in the water. She refuses to. I try to put her in. She's not happy. She just wants to play in the sand. She's just, just I don't want to do this. 
So this happened the first couple days at the beach, and I'm thinking at some point in time she'll warm up to this idea. So by the second or third day, I don't remember. So we're leaving the beach. I'm going to go put kids down for naps and, and do all that kind of stuff in the afternoon. So we're leaving the beach. We walk through, pack everybody up, walk through the sand, walk through the grass, walk near the, a restroom area, and there's a little rinse station there, just a little turn spigot there. You can rinse the sand off your, off your, uh, your feet and off your legs and off your arms or wherever else you need to rinse sand off of. And, and in, un, under that station, people are waiting in line, waiting just to rinse off so when they get into their cars in the parking lot, they can at least keep some of the sand out of the car. So it's our family's turn, so we're going off. I'm rinsing everybody off, and it gets to Cadence, and she's got sand on her feet. So I'm rinsing her feet off, and she gets her feet all rinsed off, and I'm like, all right, baby girl, that's it. Like, you need to move on, then Daddy's going to rinse his feet off. And she's like, no. And she starts stomping and jumping around in the puddle that's formed at this rinse station. And I'm like, no, we got to go. And she's like, I don't want to go. The Pomatuning Reservoir covers 17,000 acres in water. You want to take a guess how many billions of gallons are in the Pomatuning Reservoir? You don't have to, I know. 64 billion gallons of water are in the Pomatuning Reservoir. And my daughter is really happy in this puddle. All right? I don't have to really draw the line of connection of what I'm trying to say in that story, do I? Which is better? And if you get it, I, I'm going to bring my daughter in here later, and you can educate her and make sure she understands. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. Sometimes we act like three-year-olds. Right? Jesus came and he said, I've come to give you life. I've come, but not just life, abundant life. And we go, well, life's okay, though. This puddle's all right. Second point of why choose abundance. Choose abundance because abundance, it counts. Let me explain that. There's a, there's a value system to everything. To everything. When Jesus died on that cross, I believe that Jesus Christ and God himself made the most expensive purchase in all of history. He gave it all. He gave it all. We ought to choose abundance. Jesus didn't take lashes to his back so we could walk around with burdens on our own. He didn't take a crown of thorns that was plunged into his skull so we could live with torment. He didn't take 
nails in his feet and in his hands on a cross. So we could walk around in bondage. So we could think small. He died on that cross, yes, because God so loved you. That's true. But his love for you is beyond just do you get to have eternal life. It matters and it counts for the right now. What does our life look like right now? Sometimes I think as believers in Jesus Christ, in this point I'm talking to you today, I think we process what Jesus has done and we think about, okay, what he's done for me. Now, let me count the cost of what it means to be his disciple. That's true, and that's a good message, and that's a good sermon. How often do we consider the cost that God himself had to count to give Jesus for you and for me? Another vacation story. A couple years ago, Sarah and I took our our, our just had the girls at the time, our girls to Disney World. Um, I have a value system. <laughs> a couple of my kids, I've seen them do this thing that I would never do when I was a kid, ever. If they get a, if they get a lollipop, I haven't seen them do it a lot, but I've seen them a handful of times. If I give them a lollipop, there's a couple of my kids have at times, they'll put the lollipop in their mouth, lick the lollipop, and then after a while they're like, eh, I'm done with this, and I'll see him throw it away. I would never have done that when I was a kid. But they're just like, eh, I'm done with this. They pitch it. When I see that happen, I don't, other than thinking, I wouldn't do that. In terms of the value of that lollipop, I don't bat an eye. I don't go, what are you doing? This is a perfectly good lollipop. We're going to rinse that off. Put it back in your mouth. Like, it's a lollipop. I, it costs maybe three cents. I really don't care. I'm not going to get wigged out about a lollipop. We took them to Disney World. How many of you know, if you've been to Disney World, the expense of going to Disney World is a little bit different than a lollipop? A little bit different. So... There were moments, we're there for, for like five days and we're visiting different parks and trying to get it all in. And you better believe, there were moments during our packed days where I had, I had girls that are like, I'm tired. I think, can I just sleep in the stroller? I didn't treat them wanting to sort of throw that away like a lollipop. I'm like doing everything I can. Like, I'm like, wake up, wake up. You need more caffeine, don't you? Because I'm like, the investment that I've made here, okay? You will be thoroughly educated in that it's a small world after all. So wake it up. Wake it up. Here we go. Step in. This is it. We're here. Right? And we've all done things like that. If you gave me money to, give you, get you a, to get you a candy or get you a drink, some of you would go, oh, whatever you get, Pastor, it's fine. But if you gave me enough money to go get you a new car, right? It's a value system. So think about what God has done for us. Just picture that for a second. 
Think about the mindset of everything that he gave, that he gave everything for us. And he didn't just do it so we could have eternal life. So many people, so I, I do this, so many of us do this from, at times, but it, I want you to get this. It's possible to come to Jesus to walk through the door and then utterly waste your life. You can waste your life and never step into and never experience everything and the fullness that God actually purchased for you. Think about that. Sometimes I think we, that, that we preach a gospel that you come to Jesus and you go from death to life and you say, praise God, I have eternal life. But what's the walk look like? Not just because, well, you, you know, you got to be better because Jesus has these expectations. No, because he paid for it. He paid for it. It's right there. It counts. So why choose abundance? So number one, because it's better. Number two, it counts. And the last point, number three. Because your world needs you to choose. We need to choose abundant life, not simply because it's better and not just because it counts, but you've got a world around you that needs you to choose. If you're sitting next to somebody that you know, I want you to look them in the eye and I want you to tell them, I need you to choose. I have purposely not mentioned money in this message. Not because I'm afraid of talking about money, but that's not really what this message is about. Having all the money in the world is not abundance. But money can be a measure of abundance. Jesus spent a lot of time when he, in his short time in ministry talking about money. I don't think because Jesus really liked money I don't think because he was super passionate about money. But here's the truth about money. Money is currency. Currency is the only thing that we have that can tangibly affect how we as humans value things. What we use is currency. So that's what makes money so important. But there's a value system to everything. God, your world around you needs you to choose because they need people that walk in abundance financially. Your world around you needs you to choose because what you do with your money oftentimes is reflective of what you do with everything else. But when I talk about abundance, I don't want you to just stick in your head, this is about me having more money. He's talking to me about what do I do with my money. That's not the main point here. If Holy Spirit speaks to you today about what you do with your money, that's between you and God. But what I'm talking about is the value system of everything that you have. All of your resources, including your time. Is it abundant? Is how you handle things, are you able to give freely? Do you feel like you have enough? 
How do you manage the resources that you have? And I'm talking resources like your thought life. It's a resource. Your attitude. How do you manage that? How do you process that? How does that work on the inside of you? Do you live in abundance? Spouses, your spouse needs you to live and walk in abundance. Parents, your children need you to live in abundance. And if you hear that and you go, well, just write me a check and I'll be ready to go. You're missing the point. The point is, is that Jesus came and he paid the price for you not to just experience life, but to you, for you to have life that is more abundant. As a believer in Jesus Christ, the thing that should set you apart from the rest of the world is not just that, well, I'm going to heaven one day, praise God. That's an amazing truth. But what sets you apart right now, what people see that are, is different, is not going to be that. Unless you walk around with a sign around, or you walk around with a sandwich board on that says, I know Jesus, going to heaven. There's some bumper stickers like that, actually. That's, if that's the only thing that sets you apart, how's anybody supposed to look at your life and see something The only thing they're going to see different is if your life looks different than their life. And that's abundance. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, verse 8. God is able. God is able. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. So leave that up there for a second. So God is able to make a grace abound to you. There's a root word of abundance. God's able to make grace fill you, that it's overflowing, that you have all the grace you need, and then some to give away to others. That you, always having all sufficiency, in other words, you have all that you need in all things. Now, all that sounds good. It's like, oh, that's great. I'll take it. May have an, so all that's for what? That you may have an abundance for every good. Oh, come on. We got to be a little louder than that. You can read. Every good. Every good. So abundance in Christ is not simply this thing that you have so that you can feel really good about your life. It's for every good work. It's for how you treat the people around you. It's for how you work at your job. It's for how you raise your kids. It's for how you, how you process and submit your thought life. That abundance is for every good work. We're going to transition here in a moment to communion, but I, I want you to really hear, hear my heart in this last thing. I've talked about abundance, why you should choose it, that it is a choice, why you should choose it. 
And I said earlier, abundance isn't just this magical thing that just happens. Well, I prayed a prayer, so I guess I got abundance. It's a choice you make. I want to give you internally some questions, though, as a challenge at the close here. And these aren't just questions that these are random questions. Maybe this would be nice. I really want to challenge you today. I hope every one of you, when you come to church, you come and sit in a service. I hope you come with an expectation that God can do something in your life. There's no scripture that says, if you want to know God and you want to go to heaven, you better come to church every Sunday. But we believe in the gathering together corporately to worship God for so many reasons. But I hope one of your motivations, one reason you come to the house of God is that you say, well, there's a God in heaven who's all powerful and he loves me. When I'm in a place of his presence, I can walk out of a place of corporate gathering and something can be different. So I want to ask uh, four questions that are a challenge to you. They're a challenge to me. And we're going to transition here into a time of communion. But that time of communion, I, I specifically want you to, as we prepare our hearts, I want you by yourself to process these questions. Process what they mean. What areas of my life do I hold back? Where do I not feel sufficient? How am I using what I've been given? And do I expect God to do more? Just leave that, those questions up there for a moment, please. So how do you walk in abundance? I purposely talked about that life is lived in degrees. And it is. It really is. How do you live in abundance? How do you make that choice? Here's how you do that. To the degree in which Jesus... I'll say this. If you've come to Jesus, you've stepped into a kingdom. You've stepped into not just any kingdom. You've stepped into a kingdom that has no end. And this kingdom most kingdoms is a kingdom that has a king. And to the degree that he is king of your heart is the degree that you'll be able to walk in abundance. Is Jesus the Lord and the king of your finances? Or when you run into major financial crisis, is that when you bring your finances to him? Is Jesus the Lord and the God of the choices that you make in regards to your family? 
Or do you only really go to him when you hit a crisis? Or when the dysfunction gets so great you don't know what to do? Do you submit and surrender your thought life to the king every day? Or wait until you get to the point that you've spiraled down completely into depression and then you ask him, please save me. Please help me in the way I think. Abundant life is the ability for the sheep to follow the shepherd. Not come through the door, find new pasture and salvation, and walk around and just kind of do whatever you want until you are starving. And then you run to the shepherd and say, can you please feed me? Abundant life is found at the, at, at the feet of the king. So I ask these questions one more time. What areas of my life do I hold back? Where do I not feel sufficient? How am I using what I've been given? Do I expect God to do more? As we transition to communion right now, I'm going to ask that we, we stay very sensitive um, to the moment. Because I believe for some of us this morning, wrestling with these questions and these thoughts, I, I really want you to spend some time asking yourself those questions before God. What does abundant life look like for me? Because that's the exchange Jesus made. He already took your poverty, so why do we hold on to it? He already took on your destructive lack, so why is it still in our hands? Most of you should have received a, a, a communion packet of the elements coming in. For those that did not, as um, the, the praise team is coming and they're going to minister in music for a moment, um, if you could just slip your hand up and notify them that you, you would like to receive the elements. Um, and while the, the, the team plays, I just want to encourage you, ask yourself those questions. You can open up um, the communion packets and uh, we will partake together.
Thank you for your body. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that on the night you were betrayed, you took the bread. After having blessed it, you broke it. You said, this is from, this is the covenant, Lord, that, you, that you've given us. It is for us. You said to do this.
of you know that we have an amazing prayer team that they're prepared to pray for any need. There's a couple of things that I, I want you to be able to focus on if you come forward after the blessing, if you need prayer. You can come forward for anything. But I want you to think about those questions and that challenge. Really just process, am I walking in abundance all the areas of my life or am I on the journey to get there that I need to and if you say Man, I really need some prayer for that this morning I just want to encourage you to you can come to the altar and receive prayer you can be as specific as you want about what those areas are but also and just as important if you've heard me this morning talk about a Lord and Savior that can give you not just life but abundant life and you say I don't say there was a time that I knew this Jesus but I'm confused about him and I haven't really followed him as my Lord, as my King you can just come down to this altar and you can just share your heart and just say I need a Savior I feel lost our prayer team is trained and equipped and they can help you today so you can come forward for any need but specifically I want to challenge you today Consider what abundance looks like in your life. 
don't know Jesus, why not meet him today? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the name which is above every name, I bless you. I bless you not just to walk in life. I bless you not just to walk in the good. I bless you not just to walk in the better. I bless you to walk in the best. I bless you to walk in a manner that's worthy of your calling. I bless you to walk under the light of that of him who called you from darkness into his marvelous light. I bless you to walk in abundance. I bless you that you will have everything that you need and more than enough to give away in your life. I bless you that abundant life would be worn on you so well that those that see you will recognize that you walk in abundance. They'll see you and recognize that you look different than them. I bless you to not walk in poverty. I bless you to lay aside the destructive patterns of thinking and lack. I bless you to always participate and engage with a Savior who is more than enough. I bless you today that you would go home, you would go on the highways and byways and feel the peace of God and that it would reign in your hearts as you acknowledge Him in all of your ways. I bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. We love you, church family. If you need prayer today, please feel free to come forward.